The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome and welcome if you want to run with the Game Changers. I promise you're in the right place. And if you've been paying attention for the past five years of Game Changers shows, I think we've done about 930 shows so far. This is the 930th, actually. But who's counting? You'll know that when I say welcome, welcome, that means we only have two panelists on the show. But this is going to be a great conversation. Let me tell you what the buzz is today. I found a great quote from Billy Connolly, the Scottish actor and comedian. You can look him up, C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. Here's his quote. I love Los Angeles. It reinvents itself every two days. Okay, that gives you an idea what we're going to be talking about. Los Angeles, the venerable heart of the movie production and entertainment industry, is now under pressure. No, not from movie stars breaking their contracts with the studios. It's under pressure to provide new and exciting avenues for promoting their content. This is great stuff. This is lots and lots of years, 100 plus years of movies and TV shows and other interesting content. But what are they going to do with it? People are looking now to adopt digital, social, and viral channels. Maybe movie attendance in the movie houses is dropping off. People are disconnecting from their cable and getting shows after the fact on Hulu and Slingbox and all that good stuff. What's going to happen to Los Angeles? Well... We have one word. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, so you know the magic word here is startups. There are startups who are poised to help the 100-plus-year-old movie industry stay in front of those consumers. Movie industry and TV industry need people to watch, to listen, to watch those darn advertisements and buy from the advertisers who support the programming. Startups are also ready to help production studios and the related businesses, and there are many, many of them, monetize their content and preserve their brands. The marketplace is global. We know that in every possible industry. Is it going to dilute the dominance that L.A. Los Angeles once held? We have a lot of questions, and we're going to put these questions to the test with our two panelists. They've both been on recent shows here on Startup Focus with Game Changers. Let me tell you who they are before I introduce them. We're welcoming back Satish Gajaraju, the CTO at Sensify, S-E-N-S-I-F-Y. And we're also welcoming back Mayank Matur, M-A-T-H-U-R who leads the value engineering team in the SAP Startup Focus program. And interestingly enough, they have both sent uh, sent me quotes, opening quotes from, related to one is from a movie and one is from a major, major director, producer, and screenwriter. So first up, I'm pleased to welcome back Satish. How are you, Satish? Excellent, Bonnie. How are you doing? 
I'm fine. Let me read the quote from you. Satisha sent us a quote from the 2012 James Bond film Skyfall. Okay, guys, remember when Q is speaking to Bond and Bond is chasing Raul Silver, Silva, played by Javier Bardem, and Q is Ben Wishaw, and he's guiding him. Q is in this command center. He's watching Bond. The train is moving in the station, out of the station, and Bond is looking for Silva, and he waits until the very last minute, and then Q confirms, yes, Silva's on the train, and he tells Bond to get on the train, and the quote is simply, Bond, get on the train, which, of course, he does. And I have to tell you, Satish, that there's a website called the Train Line dot com. It's a blog, and they have qualified this as one of James Bond's top eight train moments of all time. This is called the number one, the mother of all train fight scenes. I thought you'd like to know that. So Satish, welcome back. Tell me, how did you pick this quote? We're talking movies, we're talking LA, we're talking technology. Bond, get on the train. What's our relevance here? Well, the relevancy here is, um, you know, although the movie industry is based in L.A., uh, they are going global, like you just mentioned in your uh, uh, monologue about uh, global destinations, global locations. But all the while, they have uh, their props, basically, or their assets and infrastructure, lighting and cables, etc., which which have to be distributed uh, globally, and they need a way to track these things. And secondly, uh, there are new business models coming up, you know, digital downloads, uh, streaming, and uh, social media. And L.A. has to get on this bandwagon or get on this train uh, to keep themselves uh, in business. Now, you've got new business models from Amazon and Netflix who are basically questioning and putting disruptive models around the 100-year-old movie industry. So that's where uh, I came up with this. Uh, they have to get on this train of IoT uh, get on the strain of digital digitalization of the entire um, movie industry. Satish, it's a great quote in so many ways. First of all, it's epic. And second of all, if, you, if I'm thinking correctly, you're thinking that that has to be L.A. on the train. But my question to you is, if this is the mother of all train fight scenes in movies forever and ever, according to the gentleman who owns this blog site, uh, thetrainline.com, my question to you is, is L.A. in for the fight of its life once it gets on that train? What are your thoughts? Yes, they, they will have, uh, they'll have a bigger than fight for their life. Uh, so many uh, models out there, you know, anybody with a cell phone uh, and a little bit of a material can actually shoot a very nice movie and make it interesting little clip. So they got to compete with all of them and prove that uh, they can maybe keep all their fans engaged and uh, keep the continuity going from, you know, given the day of uh, sequels these days. Uh, they're going to have a real fight on their hands, uh, but it's going to be an interesting one. I'm sure they will jump on this. They're already jumping on this train as soon as they can. Very interesting. And, and Satish, just take you one step further. Here's a little piece of trivia. The comment is Skyfall on this blog site. Bond pursues a data thief, 21st century people, the owner of the blog says, on top of a moving train. But here's, here's the trivia, Satish, but not before stopping to straighten his tie. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> 
That's our James, isn't it? That's our James. Some people are saying that he had a haircut between the time he was chasing the train and the time he got on. I watched the video and I couldn't see that he had a different hairstyle, but but maybe you could. But that's, you know, that's Hollywood also. Going back to my Billy Connolly quote, I love L.A. It reinvents itself every two days. And you might say James Bond reinvents his hairdo every every two scenes, but we'll let that rest. Satish, so happy to have you back and thanks for your great insights. And now let's welcome our second and other panelist, Mayank Matter who leads the value engineering team in the SAP Startup Focus program. And as I alluded in the beginning, he has sent us a quote also from the movie industry. It happens to be from Steven Spielberg. Steven Allen Spielberg, K-B-E-O-M-R-I, born 1946, actually December 18th. He's got a birthday coming up. Is an American director, producer, screenwriter, editor, considered one of the founding pioneers of the new Hollywood era. That makes this quote so important. And one of the most popular directors and producers in film history. He's also a co-founder of DreamWorks Studios. Uh, there is so much I can tell you about all of the the accolades and all of the awards that he has won, Steven Spielberg. I won't go into that. However, the unadjusted gross of all Spielberg-directed films exceeds $9 billion worldwide, making him the highest-grossing director in history. Personal net worth, just a little bit less, $3 billion plus. Go, Steven Spielberg. Here's the quote Mayank has selected. All good ideas start out as bad ideas. That's why it takes so long. Mayank Matter, welcome back. How have you been? Been great, Bonnie. Thank you. Delighted to have you. Talk to me. You a big fan of everything Spielberg? you have any favorite Spielberg movies? You know, pretty much all of them, growing up as a kid watching E.T. and then, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and um, the list goes on, and um, and guess what, right? I mean, you have your kids now, and the kids love um, <clears throat> another one of uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, recent movies, and uh, you're wondering, well, uh, this is truly magical of uh, what uh, Hollywood and Steven Spielberg can produce, and... Um, I think you know. I take this quote because um, it, it is so relevant to what we do in the tech world. And for somebody like me who have, uh, I have no idea of how the movie industry works, but this quote is 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 um, gives you an idea of hey, to produce anything great or good, uh, it does take a long. Whether it's a good movie or a good um, uh, a, a product, a technology product, so. Uh, this was more often a uh, discussion, a point that I started to understand what the other panelists and audience might think is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And uh, in the technology world, we are moving towards let's produce something out there quickly and go test it out. And uh, the old paradigm of, hey, take your time, build the right thing is, is probably changing. And I'm, I was curious to know how the audience would interpret this code. And uh, and uh, and apply it both to the movie industry. Hey, do you mm-hmm. create something quick and easy and see how the audience reacts, and then maybe build a sequel if it works, or do you take your time and build the uh, the next uh, mega project? So that's kind of was the interest what caught me to this quote, and um, that was the reason I put it out there. 
Very interesting, Mayak. If, if we look at the history of movies and TV, and as I said in my opening, and, and you and uh, Satish are both very aware, the movie industry in particular is over 100 years old. All good ideas start out as bad ideas. So if you think way back 100 years ago, somebody's saying, yeah, we can use this box. We put some film in it. We wind it up. We point it in a direction, and people talk and they sing and they dance and they move and they shoot and they act and we're going to put it out on some we're going to project it on the screen can you imagine people saying what are you crazy how in the world could you do that nah it's a bad idea it'll never even happen and if it does it would never be a commercial success who would want to see it can you imagine that happening over 100 years ago mayank Interesting. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and now if you fast forward, let's think about how I think uh, Satish might have mentioned it, or maybe you did. Independent filmmakers. Everybody's a filmmaker today. Look at the burgeoning industry on YouTube. Look at what's going on. People are taking videos of their cats and their dogs and their raindrops and melting melting snow and and uh, and their children and and what they're wearing and makeup lessons. And I don't know if. Any Anybody stopped to say that was a bad idea, but we've had this opportunity for many years now to use our phones and to use our, our tablets for making videos. And then all of a sudden, people probably said, oh, no, it's not good quality. It doesn't look like Hollywood. Who would want to watch that? And one day people started doing it. And I'm guessing it could have start, started many years before. What do you think, Mayank? Do you think there was a delay because people thought that homemade videos were eh, not great quality? What do you, what's your observation? Yeah, I think uh, the it's it's the uh, what makes Hollywood different. I think is the, the dramatic effect that movies bring, and I think uh, yes, we do have these uh, um, snippets that are now being created. And uh, you look at uh, I've heard so many of these quotes that um, if if it takes more than five seconds for you to project mm-hmm. something to an audience. It's too long. Whether it's a presentation mm. that you do to your, uh, uh, you know, to your CEO or your stakeholder, or whether it's a clip. And hence, if you look at the scrolling culture that is is evolving, uh, you know, your kids uh, from your kids uh, and kids are great great audience now. Hey, um, scroll through Facebook, scroll scroll through Instagram, and you know, scrolling through videos. Hey, if it's more than this this quick attention span of five ten seconds, you kind of move on to the next one. And I almost just find it interesting that how do you sit through a big movie? And, you know, for some of us coming from India, Bonnie, have you watched mm. some Indian movie, a Bollywood movie for three hours? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> no. uh, you know, and you would just uh, sit there and watch and now like, oh, my God, I can't do it. I can't watch it. Same thing with sports. I mean, anything, uh, you know, uh, you don't want to watch, sit out there and uh, watch something for uh, uh, the whole day. Uh, so, so again, I think uh, it's it's amazing how things are evolving, and uh, to to uh, earlier quote, it's just difficult for um, Hollywood uh, to kind of produce what they are doing and compete um, with yes. the other world. So, yeah, very interesting scenario. Yes, and I have to just interject this. Satish, I'm going to get back to you in a second. I just found an article in thetelegraph.com.co.uk in their science section from 2015, May 15, 2015. It's called Humans Have Shorter Attention Spans Than Goldfish Thanks to Smartphones. The average human's attention span is, oh, look, it's a bird. <laughs> 
that's the idea. According to scientists, the age of smartphones has left humans with such a short attention span, even a goldfish can hold a thought for longer. Research survey, researchers surveyed 2,000 participants in Canada and studied the brain activity of 112 people using uh, EEGs, electroencephalograms. The results showed the average human attention span has fallen from 12 seconds in 2000 or around the time the mobile revolution began to eight seconds. And it turns out, Mayank and Satish, that goldfish are believed to have an attention span of nine seconds. Oh, my goodness. The study was conducted by Microsoft, so we believe it was a good study, found that our ability to multitask has improved. I'll stop there. I'm going to tweet that link, actually. Satish, what's your thought on, is this plaguing the, the L.A. movie and TV industry that people don't have attention spans anymore? Eight seconds, what can you show in that? Yeah, people don't have attention span, which is for sure, uh, but that also uh, shows that they can replay it sometime later, and uh, they have tremendous uh, Hawkeye uh, perceptions as well as uh, a, a good memory of what, what was shown earlier, like the two-second uh, clip where you said Bond changes hairstyle. So it's definitely affecting the attention span, but they catch up. They've got the option to replay it. That is absolutely true, and the problem is when we replay, we cut out the ads, or we, yes, we can just fast forward, and there you go. Thank you very much. Satish, I've got you in the hot seat now, so to speak, and it's time for us to find out where you're calling from and what's in your cup today. We're now, what, two days away from U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. I'm wondering if you celebrate and you have a favorite drink for this time of the year. Let's talk about holiday beverages. Satish. Well, today I'm having my breakfast smoothie uh, sitting here in sunny Southern California, calling you from my home office. So enjoying my breakfast smoothie that has uh, strawberry, raspberry, uh, blueberry, and bananas along with a yogurt. So it's, it's, it's my way of usually starting, uh, skipping my breakfast and starting with a smoothie. That sounds and, uh, delicious. enjoying the wonderful weather. That sounds great. Do you have a favorite beverage you have at Thanksgiving? Anything special uh, that you enjoy with, with dinner or afterwards? Uh, well, it's usually a latte that uh, I have, even sometimes even after dinner, a cafe latte. That's my favorite drink. And I don't have a problem going to sleep right after having a hot cup of coffee either. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We know more about you now. Thank you. And Mayank, where are you calling from? And do you have a favorite holiday drink? Rumor has it you're not going to be able to cook dinner because you're you're in between house uh, upgrades or house (laughs) repairs. So talk to us. What are you going to be drinking on Thanksgiving? Um, My favorite uh, drink at this time of the year is the uh, pumpkin spice latte. Um, Mm. Probably I'll go grab some later today um and then this morning um uh, here in uh silicon valley bay area um and uh this morning i just had a lemon tea so something quick and easy but um just enough to get me going Thank you very much. I'm going to do a quick shout-out before I tell you what I'm drinking. Shout-out to Christina Sosa, who put together this great panel. We'll love the topic, Christina. Christina's listening on another line. She is muting herself so she can let me talk to Mayank and Satish today. Christina, uh, thank you for a great season. We have two more live shows to come this season for Startup Focus with Game Changers, and I know you're coming back in 2017 with more episodes, and we're thrilled about that. So what am I drinking today? Oh, I'm just boring. It's the usual. Cool, clear water and a cool 
cool clear mug i have a yellow straw for sunshine i got to tell you it was about 37 degrees here with a lot of wind chill been very windy here in new york the past few days we had 30 to 40 mile an hour winds the other night wind chill was down in the 20s okay satish i am jealous of where you are and i'm guessing it's probably in the low 40s right now but i have not ventured out nor have i opened a window but i will after the show so it's got a tie it's right time now for a little bit of a break we're going to take about a minute and change we're going to regroup and come back so with our roundtable. We're going to be looking at what's important to Satish Gajaraju with Sensify. I'm going to have him tell us a little bit about his company again, in case you didn't hear him on the show a few weeks ago. And we're going to find out from Mayank Matter at SAP Startup Focus what he does. And then we're going to dive into our topic. What's happening to the L.A. movie industry? How is it affected by the industry burgeoning from all of our smart devices? How is it affected by lower attention spans in humans, which we just documented? How is it affected by global competition? Will LA continue to rule as the movie and TV capital of the world, let's say in another 10 years? That part we'll find out in our crystal ball predictions round at the end. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We'll be right back. Michael out. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. And we're back, and our topic today is L.A. Los Angeles woos tech startups to movies and beyond. Sounds like something that belongs on the marquee of a movie theater. I don't know how many movie theaters are left in the U.S., but that's a little bit of another uh, an extension of our topic today. Speaking today to Satish Gajaraju at Sensify and Mayank Matter at SAP Startup Focus. Before we dive into our roundtable, I'm going to ask Satish to introduce us again to what Sensify does and what your relationship is or what you want it to be with the movie industry. Satish, what do you do? Um, yes, I work as the CTO for Sensify. Uh, Inc. and uh, we have an IoT solution uh, actually specifically geared for the movie industry. We uh, provide solutions to track, trace, and monitor fixed assets in any business vertical, 
and specifically for the movie industry, we have a solution that can track their assets, like their props, cables, lighting equipment, things like that, as they're being moved from one warehouse to another or being checked out to a location, and to make sure that they are not ordering more than what they need, at least know how many of what they have in any location. So uh, that's exactly what we do, and it's being used by a couple of uh, accounts, a couple of premier uh, companies, and to track that equipment keeps their keep their costs low, as well as uh, make sure that uh, they send what is exactly needed for location. They can send more than what is needed, but they can never be short on uh, uh, any props or things that are required. So that's where we come in. That's how we help the movie industry, and. Uh, uh, that's basically what we do, and we are also actually having some modules that come out to track on smartphones, so that uh, you know supervisors and directors can just figure out what is the status of an equipment in any location. That's, Very uh, interesting. Ourselves. Very interesting. So you you have a direct stake in the the health and welfare and the longevity of LA continuing. Do, just, are you focused just on LA, or is it a broader global view of of what you do, Satish? Well, there is a broader global view. Uh, these movie industries have locations worldwide. They have uh, studios uh, across the country, and they have locations uh, wherever they have to have a shot, and equipment is needed in all these locations. So we are global. We are, we are supporting uh, clients located globally and uh, also smaller companies which are just renting a few things, maybe to one scene, a 30-second ad or something. So, yeah, we've got... Uh, our solution is geared up, and we are servicing clients uh, from the small guy to a big, maybe multi-billion-dollar studio. Thank you. I'm guessing our audience wants to know seriously how long has Sensify been in business, and how did you figure out how to get in front of major movie studios, big and small, around the world so quickly? So, when did Sensify come into being, and was this your main focus, your main vision and mission and dream in the beginning? Yeah, we want to help the movie industry survive, or was this something else that you do? Just, just quickly, what do you? How did you get in front of these people so fast? Well, we started off tracking fixed assets, which is anything that uh, a business would have, um, like, you know, linen in a hotel or mm -hmm. in a movie industry, it's their props. And we've been, Sensify was actually uh, in a prior branding, it's been in business since 2003, uh, mainly providing RFID asset tracking and inventory management solutions. And uh, we've rolled out our solutions for DOD suppliers, uh, manufacturers of automobile components and things like that. And uh, somewhere about six, seven years ago, uh, we found an application that would benefit the movie industry. And I think in 2009 was the first time we actually got into the movie industry. And we rebranded the company as Sensify uh, in 2014. So, yeah, we've been around for quite a while and in the movie industry probably about six, seven years now. Which is really very new when you come to think of it compared to the 100-year history of, of L.A. Very interesting. Thank you. Because I know this is startup focus and people want to know about what we call the startup mindset. And that's really the prefix on all of the episode titles that we create for this series. Thank you very much. Mayank Matter, SAP Startup Focus. You work with companies like Satish's, like Sansify. Uh, what's your thought? Any Any advice for startups out there on how to do for their industry or for their broadening their industry reach, how they can get out of where they started and expand to other industries or to other companies and continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on what you've experienced? Uh, yeah, Bunny, sure. So um, 
The Startup Focus is a global accelerator program. It primarily offers three things to the startups. One is a recruitment and a technical resources to build or help them build a compelling uh, solution. The second is coaching and mentoring um, on uh, tips and tricks of what works, what doesn't, um, how to position their product um, and things like that. And thirdly, help them with go-to-market activities um, wherein we position them in the industry that they are uh, primarily uh, offering a solution and also to scale out to other industries. So um, any tip, uh, the, 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 the trend that we see with now about two, two, uh, two to 3,000 startups that we have had in the program and about uh, approaching about 300 uh, built solution, the trend that we have seen is um, a lot of these startups lack what we call a value proposition. So mm-hmm. um, the the idea, and it's probably kind of relating to what um, uh, you know a director has in his mind that the, the startups are very smart, right? These are very smart founders, uh, very competent founders, and and the teams are great. Uh, somehow uh, they are not able to articulate that vision and and spell out the value proposition. And again, we are we are not here as the experts who are telling them what to do. Our mm-hmm. job is to provide them the feedback that we hear from the other side, which could be a customer, it could be a partner, it could be who they are selling to, and sometimes the industry experts. So a lot of time uh, we, we run into uh, mature startups and mature companies who somehow lack this basic value proposition, and the advice we give them is, guys, um, spruce up your message a bit better. Um, the other person needs to understand is going back to the attention span um, discussion we had earlier is that it looks like in the VC world that if you are not able to articulate your value proposition mm-hmm. in two slides, you are out of the door. And, um, and, and in comes the next guy who's standing to present uh, to a potential VP or investor. So, uh, these are the few things that I found I find very interesting in, in, in the job that I do. And Sensify is a great example of um, being a mature startup, uh, having a good solution. And then at the end of the day, uh, when you do have more than one customer under your belt, um, it does make a very compelling story, and then and that helps you articulate your value proposition to other uh, customers. So, yeah, that I think um, is, is what we see as a, as a common trend and... Uh, uh, and that's what uh, we, we advise these startups on. Thank you, Mayank. Fascinating. I'm I'm intrigued with, with one little snippet, of, of course, with everything you said, but the little snippet you said about if you can't present your value prop, which I know it's referred to as value prop rather than proposition, because we have such a short attention span, people won't even wait for you to say the word proposition, Mayank. Excuse me, but I, I yeah, thought that was yeah. funny. Uh, but, but the fact that you said if you can't articulate it in two slides, now, come on, you know, uh, uh, Satish knows, we all know, Christina knows, Manju Banzal, who is, is the sponsor of this program at SAP Startup Focus, uh, we all know that when we sit down to create a PowerPoint or a lecture or presentation, we're packing the slides. and We're packing slide upon slide and 15, 20, 30, we have to have the best graphics and the best pictures and the most compelling images and the best headlines. And I know the rule of thumb way back in the day, Mayank, was no more than seven ideas on a slide, no more than seven words per bullet, and no matter se- no more than seven slides. I think it was the rule of seven, and now you're telling us that two slides is just about it. Let me just read something quickly here, Mayank. I found an article 
on Forbes back from Jan- uh, June 14, 2013, called Four Steps to Building a Compelling Value Proposition. And I'm going to ask both of you just to comment on this before we get back to our topic. Uh, let's see now. Um, this person, who is it by? Let's see. The article is by Michael Skoke, S-K-O-K, a contributor to writes, uh, Helping Entrepreneurs Go from Idea to Market Leader. And he says there are four U's in the four U's in defining a value proposition. One is, is the problem unworkable? In other words, is there a business process that's broken that you want to address? Number two, is fixing the problem unavoidable? You have to fix it. Number three, is the problem urgent? And number four, this may be the most important, is the problem underserved? In other words, a conspicuous absence, absence of valid solutions to the problem you're looking to solve. Just uh, quickly, Satish, does this resonate with you, these four U's in building your value prop to extend your business to the movie industry? Yes, definitely. Um, it, they have issues uh, with all the four U's. Uh, the, the, the solution or the problem uh, is underworked, uh, so they definitely uh, they, they have to pay more attention to it. Uh, it is urgent because, uh, you know, sometimes they'll be shooting a 30-second ad and they can't take 30 days to pick up all the equipment that is required to shoot a 30-second ad. Uh, it, is, uh, it is quite urgent in that sense. And it adds a lot of value to the bottom line, so that makes it uh, quite urgent as well. Uh, what are the couple of other U's you mentioned? Uh, it was underserved, uh, urgent. Um, yeah, you know underserved, what? definitely. I lost my leg. Uh, Go ahead. Because, yeah, underserved, definitely, because uh, they don't have time to pay attention to this problem. They just fix it by just buying more equipment or having somebody else rent it to them. Uh, but with uh, with proper attention, uh, with a solution like what we have, they'll at least know how much how many of what they have. They don't have to uh, buy more, and uh, it, it is urgent because it adds to their bottom line. It keeps their clients happy. Thank you very much, Mayank. Any thoughts on the uh, the four U's I just mentioned? I, I think that resonates very um, very very well. I think, Bonnie. I think um, we like like I said earlier. I think. Uh, these uh, these four trends, uh, in in uh, and in addition to what um, the, the startups bring to the table overall, form a, a larger package, which ideally um, is, is what's required. And I think it's it's uh, it's somewhat surprising that somehow I wish this list would be out there in front of um, every startup before they they present to a, a potential investor or or when they do a pitch. Uh, to prospects, um, but yeah, I think uh, well, very well articulated, and I think this should be one of the guiding principles um, for the startups to, um, you know, whether in the technology space um, to build uh, their foundation on. Thank you. I'm glad. Glad I just uh, just went and googled it, and it came up. And when I see four of something or five, and it's a list, and we can articulate it quickly on the air, that's what I like. And I'm going to when I get back my my Twitter stream here, which is being very sluggish right now and not behaving itself. I'm going to uh, put that link out for everybody to see. So let's get back to our topic, talking about the movie industry and what startups like Sensify can do. Satish sent me some wonderful talking topics here. Uh, talk talking about sequels and talking about where the industry is now and, of course, fixed assets, which helps measure. But let's talk about fan engagement. Let's make this very, very human. So Satish told me before the show, he said, fan engagements 
goes beyond just the theater or the 30 to 60 minutes of a TV episode. Smartphones, social media, access to digital content, all of them keep your fans engaged in their favorite pastime because people are tweeting, they're talking about on Instagram, they're posting on Facebook, they're posting online reviews. We've got Rotten Tomatoes, we've got souvenirs, we've got things from the movie, we've got uh, music tracks, etc., etc. Talk to me about how this is good or bad for the movie industry today. Satish? So it's mostly good for the movie industry because that all adds to their bottom line and keeps their fans engaged. Um, a sports fan, they have, uh, the sports industry has already got this quite a bit and they, they know how to keep their fans engaged beyond the weekend football games. As well as movies, uh, until a few years ago, you walk out of the theater and then you almost had nothing. But today you could post reviews, you could watch replays, you could go to YouTube and see specific scenes and write your reviews. Uh, so if the movies can uh, get on the train and uh, enable their mm. fans to tweet more about it, talk more about it in a positive way or maybe even in a negative way, uh, they, can, they should be able to keep their fans engaged and look for their next sequel or look for the next TV episode. I think TV episodes have a large audience as well. And if they can keep their fans engaged beyond uh, a few episodes, uh, that, that will be the best thing that can happen to that industry. I know that you can go and watch in Hulu and uh, Amazon Prime and such things for past episodes, but um, as long as they can enable the fans to watch it uh, you know, on any any time, anywhere, uh, that's where it's going to uh, add to their bottom line, and the fans are going to be happy because all we want to do is you know have something to do in our spare time. Thank you very much, Mayank. Thoughts about that? Um, I completely agree. Um, the the issue of stickiness, I think, um, is, is relevant both uh, to uh, a movie kind of a, a product. And, and same thing, you know, I kind of relate back to what we, we've seen in the, in the startup world is that you, you, you got to present something that sticks. You got to demo something that sticks. How do you differentiate yourselves um, with the crowd out there and... Um, and it's kind of counterintuitive to what we just discussed that, yes, maybe creating snots, uh, uh, short snippets uh, is, is the trend right now, which not, may not be that great, but at the same time, it creates a, a stickiness um, uh, scenario that, um, that, that you can be, uh, you know, related to or remembered. So um, it, it, it's a... It's a catch-22, at least in my opinion, um, and I think uh, finding the right balance probably is the key, and I think it applies both uh, to the movie industry and uh, perhaps to the startup world. Thank you very much both. I'm going to move on to some more points here. Mayanka, I'm looking at your list. You have some very compelling ideas here. Number one, you say uh, content is king. That's an old phrase. We all know Americans are expected to double their daily digital video consumption compared with four years ago to an hour and eight minutes. Can you put this in context for me, please, Mayank? Yeah, sure. Um, if you look at, and, and like you said, content is king is, is old. Um, uh, however, uh, this was, uh, I think, um, one of, again, one of the Gartner kind of um, uh, analysis that was done. If you look at uh, Amazon and Netflix and the way uh, content is consumed, uh, it has evolved. So what they were trying to, and I was reading uh, what was uh, written earlier, is that 
content in the form of movies, like how you opened was a thousand-year-old kind of medium. Then somewhere in between, we did the radio, right? It's ironic mm -hmm. that we are today on the radio show, and it's a form of content consumption. And then who, who thought that the radio would survive when the TV came, and now you know where this is going, and then the Internet came. And now um, countries, emerging countries like India, uh, China, have completely bypassed the PC uh, industry and straight to the mobile uh, world. And you look at, uh, at least in my kids, where they don't uh, watch so much stuff on TV, but they watch it on my older son watches stuff on his mobile phone. So mm -hmm. um, whether it's news or sports news or whatever uh, you're consuming, um, it, the medium has changed. And hence, um, this, this particular uh, data point here is that I don't think it is just Americans. I think uh, it is now worldwide because um, the Internet is worldwide. And what it, they mean is that uh, because of content uh, consumption being so much easier, uh, you just need to produce more content. And then in the movie world, there was talking about how Amazon and Netflix are the new studios uh, where they are producing and their own content. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and that is uh, interesting, I don't know, for the Hollywood world to figure it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. But that was the, the context here. So uh, what does this mean, right? What does this mean for the mm -hmm. technology world? It means that, hey, how do you create and adapt platforms and streaming technologies to, to consume this content? Again, it's going back to the attention span, whereas my, my older son comes in, switches on the Netflix thing, and the stuff is saying, buffering right remember the buffering mm -hmm. thing that you show oh, yeah. up oh, yeah. and he's like dad what is buffering why is this not working and i'm like uh, hang on and, oh my god all hell bro breaks loose right oh my god the internet is down what are we gonna do now i'm like chill take it easy so but but this is all kind of tied to uh, of, of how uh, you know the the the, 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 the the way the content is being produced and is consumed changing and yes. I think for the startup world, it is very interesting to, to, to provide the technology to enable that. Thank you. Oh, I remember the buffering days. Why isn't it loading? Why is it taking an hour? Why does it say it'll take 20 minutes? Why is the, the cursor sitting there and spinning and spinning mm -hmm. that damn hourglass, right? Very interesting. Satish, I want to go back to your notes here, something very interesting. We're, we aren't implying here at all that movies are going out of business, clearly not, but we're saying that they need technology companies like yours, like Sensify, to help with production. And, and here's a very interesting comment you made to me before the show, Satish. You said, sequels are here to stay. The fans are hawk-eyed with elephantine memories. Let me read one more note here and then have you expand. And I think this goes to what I read in that blog, Satish, uh, on the train Line.com that James Bond straightened his tie. I don't know how many people noticed that, but they did. And the question of did he have a different haircut or hairstyle when he was chasing the train and then when he appeared on the train. So here you're saying with sequels being the theme in movies, and everybody loves sequels, I guess, it's imperative that props 
PROPS, not giving someone props, the actual props used in a prequel are made available four or five movies down the line, and you're talking about the Fast and the Furious number eight coming on. Operations personnel have to put all the props from one scene of Star Wars, for example, The Empire Strikes Back, for a 30-second clip in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. So tracking this, this is part of doing business in the movie industry and giving the fans what they expect. So talk to me, Satish. This is important, right? Right? Yeah, this is quite important, and uh, this is uh, the situation most of the operational managers face. Uh, the director would say, I have to show about 10-second clip from one of the earlier episodes, and you often have uh, these websites and blogs where the fans go, oh, the, the, the character was driving a different car in the prequel. It was made in the 1980s, and now they show a car that is, that's made in the 1990s. And it'll be a 10-second clip, and somebody notices it. And uh, directors these days don't want such bloopers to be uh, uh, pointed out. So they actually task these people to go and pick up the exact set that was used 10 years ago. So these, these uh, studios have a huge task on their hand. They have to put this all in a warehouse, stock it up, keep it maintained, and know where they put it as well. And when, they, when it needs to be picked up, they need to pick every single item, including maybe a little cell phone that the movie character used 10 years ago. So this is where we come in. If you have the right sensors uh, to at least track them instead of having just barcodes where you got to go actually count one, each one of them and tabulate them by line of sight with IoT sensors such as RFID, you just may wave a magic wand. It's not Harry Potter days these days, these days right? You can just wave this wand, and it will tell you if you have any, everything in place or if what is missing. So instead of looking for a whole box of items, you just go look for one item that's missing. That's where we come in, and that's where the fans expect the completeness. Now, with, with all these um, high-resolution videos available, and you replay the episodes again and again, you can actually discern the differences. So that's what I said. Then they have Hawkeye, Hawkeye, the perception. And, yeah, the memory is great because anything that you put out on the Internet can always be referred back to. You don't have to keep it in your head. But in spite of that, some of these fans are amazing. They, they know everything about uh, the things that are favorite to them. So that's where uh, we come in, and that's where I think the movie industry has to help themselves by uh, putting the right technology on all their stuff. Very interesting. Yes, those people who comment on, yes, this changed, and why was that car the wrong era, and why was that hat the wrong thing, and why did they have the wrong radio station on? Interesting. My One of my cousins, I have very few, but one of my cousins lives in California, and his son is an independent movie maker, and he made a film set in the 60s out in the desert in California in the area of a, of a motel and a drive-up diner. And in one of the scenes, it was a very dark theme to the movie. They put it on Kickstarter, but I happened to see it and one of the scenes they played music that a woman that the lead character had met at the motel i won't go into any more detail but she was playing music on the radio that i realized satish and mayank that song had not been made at that point in time until about five years later it was an old rock and roll song and i listened to it and i said wait a minute i know the year that the movie was set in but that song didn't happen, and I Googled the song, and I sent a note to my cousin on Facebook, and I said, hey, tell your son. He used a song that didn't even exist, and he wanted to be so authentic. The comment that came back was less than polite, guys. It was like, oh, thanks a lot, Bonnie. We'll mention that to Eli, and that was the way it 
well, they weren't very appreciative. But it, it's true in uh, Satish. It's true in in any kind of filmmaking today, isn't it? We want realism. We want authenticity. We want we want props and we want details that make sense to us. Am I right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Even though in the world of uh, CGI, you may have to, you can make up all of these things. There still is a lot of realism left in the movie industry, and that needs to be addressed quite well. We want things that make sense to us. We have time for one more note here. Uh, Mayank, I'm on your notes here, and here's a very interesting thing. You say, Hollywood's DNA is all about spending large sums of money to produce and market movies. Taking risks on new technologies is not part of Hollywood's makeup. Talk to me. Is this a, a bad thing? Is this something that we need to teach them a lesson? People like uh, Satish and, and Sensify, what's the lesson here? Yeah, I think uh, this house I thought was interesting, uh, which kind of conflicts to the culture that we have in Silicon Valley versus Hollywood, um, and something that, at least in this article, was requesting Hollywood to change its line of thinking was Hollywood, because of the time and money that they invest, um, there's no room for error to experiment, uh, room for error or, ex- or experiment. Um, if, if something doesn't work, uh, then it kind of shuts down, whether it's the, the yeah, completely. Whereas, whereas in the startup world, in the Silicon Valley, uh, failure is accepted, and that kind of helps you take the next step. So uh, some of this, uh, some parts of this quote was referring, and I think you had that some uh, earlier in the presentation or in the notes, was you look at the fast and furious kind of, movie franchises, which is in this eighth edition. Uh, is it is it the same thing? It's like old wine, new bottle every time, and it works. So they keep on making the same thing. Uh, whereas uh, and, and they're not taking any risk to change that format or change the team. There's a, there's a dedicated audience who likes that, that piece, and they keep on making it till they milk it to death. So uh, I think... Uh, this this quote kind of highlights, um, but I leave it to the experts to figure out whether it's it's a good thing or a bad thing. But apparently, um, the, the the influx of technology into Hollywood, uh, I don't know how that will change um, uh, it completely. But at least the idea was to to make technology in a way that you can experiment and test with new ideas quickly in the market and then see if it works or not. So I think that was where this this uh, data point was coming from. Thank you very much. Fascinating. Uh, we're almost ready for our predictions crystal ball round, but I'd love to get Satish's comment on what your reflection as a startup in, in the movie industry now or supporting them. Satish, did you find this to be true, that they're leery of new technology? How easy was it for you to infiltrate Hollywood? No, they're not leery of new technology, but uh, they just want to see, like Mayank said earlier, you know, what's in it for me? Is there a good value proposition? And as long as you can demonstrate that quickly uh, to an operations person or, let's say, a CFO, depending on, you've got to be very specific because of their attention span. You know, if it's a CFO, show him what's in it for him in the bottom line. For an operations guy, uh, how much of time does it save? How many personal does he less? personal that you have to manage and such things. So as long as you can get that message across, they are always open to new technology and uh, they, they actually seek out uh, you know, uh, people who can solve their problems. So it's definitely 
good time to be uh, in this industry. Thank you very much. You know what, Satish, I'm going to let you start the predictions round. But before we do, I have an idea. We're talking about movies. It's just the two of you. It's just our little party here. So I'm going to ask you, do you have a, a favorite movie or a movie sequel or, or a style of movie of all time, Satish Gajaraju at Sensify? What, what gets you to the movies or what gets you to go to Netflix or Hulu? But what's your favorite form of uh, Hollywood-produced entertainment? Oh, well, anything that involves fast cars is my in thing. So uh, I'm a big fan of the Fast and Furious uh, uh, chain. And uh, I prefer to watch that in theaters, uh, at least uh, the first round, uh, to get the full experience. Uh, but subsequently, yes, Netflix uh, is my favorite uh, go-to place because you can watch movies anywhere, anytime. Uh, so and I love long plane rides because that's when I get to catch up on uh, movies. So you know, if you ask for ask the medium that I, that's my favorite, it's online. But uh, the first round of uh, movies, I'd like to watch it in a theater. Very interesting. I'm still a go-to theater type of person also. I have one about a block away from me. I won't go to see just any movie, but something that's decent. Mayank Matur, what's your favorite type of movie entertainment or TV? Yeah, I, I like I like action. I like uh, the uh, Indiana Jones type of stuff. <laughs> um, it just and, you know the it just makes it f- uh, uh, fun to watch. It's all it's what uh, they say theater and c- uh, cinema is all about. And and I too love to watch it in the big screen. Uh, mm-hmm. Ironically, the big screen is now coming to your own living room, and I think the big screen I have at home. <laughs> It is a good enough big screen, um, <laughs> but uh, and you know popcorn is free. So, I was uh, going to say the popcorn is fresh uh, at home. It's fresh. <laughs> yes. fresh. Very and interesting. I think, uh, that's kind of uh, you, you're looking at. Hey, look, can you? It, it, it's amazing how you can. Uh, again, this is technology, right? Technology mm-hmm. is allowing you to create that uh, cinema or a theater experience at home. And this is, again, a very interesting aspect of where Hollywood is going. Is like, do I really need to take the effort and go into a theater where the guy the back's kid is crying or somebody's cell phone is ringing? I'd rather sit in my comfort of my own home and kind of at least close to, close to as much as possible, recreate that experience. So, again, a very fascinating way things are going. And as I'm remodeling, Yes. Uh, while my wife is all over the place, the only thing I care about is what's my TV room going to look like <laughs> wire it uh, so that I have the right sound. So I can't wait for this to finish. <laughs> Interesting. Again, I, I, have to tell, I have to tell both of you, I'm going to go see, I guess it's a preview because the movie hasn't come out yet, but locally a block from me, the movie theater, Great Neck Squire, part of the Bowtie Cinemas chain, is previewing, I'll call it a preview, Rules Don't Apply, which interestingly enough is a movie about the quirky mogul Howard. Hughes and the comments here on USA Today an hour ago are rules don't apply. Quirky mogul Howard Hughes still fascinates the film world and it's getting uh, movie reviews all over the place. So I'm going to see a movie in a theater tonight by a major studio about a major movie mogul. So there, how was that? I, and I didn't play on that based on today's topic, but I have a quick uh, recommendation for both of you. Netflix the other night, I went through hundreds of movies and found one that from 1968 called Once Upon a Time in the West. 
Charles Bronson, Henry Fonda, Claudia Cardinale, Jack Elam, Jason Robards. Uh, may, may not be old enough to remember these. I don't even know if Satish is. <laughs> but it was such a modern approach to movie making. So intense and so cliffhanger and a lot of shoot 'em ups and if you if you if you want that kind of excitement rather than fast cars and with fast horses, Mayang, uh you you might really and, and Satish, you might enjoy it. See if you can find it. It was almost three hours long, two minute two hours forty six minutes, but fascinating that in nineteen sixty eight they were making movies of that caliber. I would have thought it was done more modern. So one sentence prediction for you, sir, Mr Satish Gajaraja with Sensify. One sentence prediction, give it to me fast. What do you predict for movie business uh, between now and uh, let's say let's focus on 2020 what's your prediction well i predict that the fan, gang, fan engagement is going to be complete by 2020 with fan engagement platforms expanding from sports venues to theaters and concerts if in one sentence thank you i appreciate that mayank matter what do you predict for 2020 for the movie industry interesting again i read this somewhere that they're saying that it looks like um Crowdsourcing would have a, a big part to play in uh, making movies, which is um, you and I could now have a say and maybe tell Steven Spielberg what to make next, and that's where they think <laughs> things may be going to. <laughs> I'll get him on the line and ask him what he thinks of that. I'll put, my people will get in touch with his people, and we'll we'll loop your people in, Mayang. I want to thank both of you for being so brave. Two people on the panel. We really rock this, I think, very interesting conversation. Satish Gajaraja with Sensify, wishing you a happy Thanksgiving. Mayank Mentor at SAP Startup Focus. I hope your house is done soon, and I wish you a happy Thanksgiving, whatever kind of plates you're eating off of in the next couple of days. And Christina Sosa at SAP, thank you again for putting together this delicious panel. Very, very interesting. We've been talking about L.A. Woo's tech startups to the movies and beyond the startup mindset. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here is my call to action. Whatever you're planning to do, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Have something to give thanks for. Count your blessings. Count your gratitude. But most important, go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one and happy holiday to all of our colleagues and listeners in the U.S. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.